Okay, welcome. Welcome to Conversations with Tita and Tiffany and Sheila B. I'm so excited. She is calling in. I think it's like 7, 8 a.m. there. What time is it there? 7 a.m. Oh my God. You make, make up and hair, hair done by 7 a.m. Wow. In, in Australia. So Sheila is a really, really, really good friend of mine and a friggin' powerhouse. She's a spiritual leader and teacher and has just got her book published in Australia at major retailers. So Target, Kmart. She was just telling us that she's been interviewed by Women's Day, Women's Weekly, New Idea. Is that another one? New Idea. New Idea, like all of them. Um, and she published a book by Rockpool called Brave, How to Live uh, Your Courageous Truth. Is that Courageously it? Live Your Truth. Courageously I've got a, Live. I've got a copy here. Yes. Good. <laughs> Hold it up again because I love this cover too, by the way. It's so pretty. And it's not a small book. And Tita and I are super excited to say that we are in it. Sure are. <laughs> we <Yeah>! are. <laughs> so, Sheila, thanks for coming on super early in the morning and just saying yes to this because I know that through your Facebook page you've been super busy doing promotions for this book. It's not every day that you get a book properly published and I also personally know what you experienced and went through to get this book written and so I want to talk a little bit more about what prompted you to write the book and what would be some of the key takeaways that you would share on how to be brave and live your courageous truth. Okay, thank you. And it's so great to be here, Tiff and Tita, and to this amazing audience that's listening in. Okay, so what prompted me to write this book? You know, it was about five years ago and I had just separated from my partner and I was sitting in this tiny apartment in a suburb in Sydney called Crow's Nest. And I don't know if when you separate from somebody, I don't know what your experience has been, but I had to fit two um, apartments worth of furniture into a tiny little apartment. And I, it, was, it was cramped. And, and I recall all I cared about was that my books were unpacked because I loved reading and I got so much solace and comfort and wisdom from books. And I knew I'd been on a massive journey of empowerment myself to step into my own power, to honor my truth. And when I say honor my truth is find self-respect and self-love within myself and to leave relationships and jobs and, and, and experiences in life where I thought I'm not being honored. I'm not honoring myself by having this experience. And I'd, I'd already gained so much wisdom and I was putting it into place and I felt called. And if you're writing a book or even that process, it is a calling on some level because something higher is working through us to write. So this, the calling had been there for a while. I couldn't make sense of it. There were so many, so many niggles to like start writing. I started writing my book in Excel spreadsheet because I'm a finance person. I could not <laughs> understand word. And so I believe it or not, I, I could, I could, I could think in, in logical steps and grids, right? So that's how I started writing it. So I felt called cool to start. And um, it was from a place of pain. And I knew I had to start being much more courageous in my life. And I think quite often when we write a book, we're, we're not really through the whole journey. So I had to start writing from a place of reminding myself how far I'd come and, and to get to the point of where I was. And then the book continued to be written as I got into big action and really changed my mindset around my life. And in the book, I refer to something called the courageous path. 
So I take women on a path of how to be courageous in life. And courage can be, you know, um, climbing Everest, surfing big waves. It can be taking on big physical challenges. For me, courage is the courage to be you because how often are we not honest with ourselves, and how often do we portray ourselves? We betray ourselves, and we let ourselves down. So courage and being brave is honouring ourselves. It's that simple. It's not easy. But it's, it's not easy. Simple <laughs> concept. Yes, not easy. No, no, not easy. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And we were just... Yeah, we were just um, saying before we jumped on that Tita was starting to write a book and then you two ah! kind of just, no, oh, two years' time or 18 months' time, Tita's book's going to be out. Watch this space. going to change yes. the world. We've got to put it out there. We've got to speak things. No, that's good. I'm glad you did because, yeah. Yes, I, I'm yeah, proud of you. You know, Tita, on my business card, when I first started to work as a spiritual medium and a teacher, so I'm a psychic medium to everyone that's, that's tuning in, on my first business card in 2015, I wrote medium, spiritual teacher and author. I, I was not any of those things. But I did I, the same I, thing. Yeah. yeah. I did speaker and I just started getting speaking gigs. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's super powerful. Super it's- powerful. So, so you start calling yourself an author. You are... If, you, if you're not published, it's irrelevant. If you're putting pen to paper and in channel and writing from higher source, you're an author. You're authoring something on this planet. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So I think this is really like I know the different experiences I've had in my life in like finding my truth and discovering my own truth and then realizing how much I'd been lying to myself, right? And I think that's a lot of things that we we've experienced with feedback that we get from people um, listening to our show where they're like, Oh my gosh, I realized um, some black women that had reached out to me, black friends. I realized how much I'd been suppressing myself and realizing that I would, I'd been like dimming my light just so I could fit into white society. And even um, Tita, you've expressed how much you, you've been like, you know, really stepping into your own greatness lately as well and coming to your and not making any apologies anymore. Um, we call them Tita moments, which which I love. Tita moments are the best. But do you feel like as a woman of colour in Australia, there's been stories or specific instances or experiences for you throughout your life where you felt like you've had to be particularly brave because you've been seen differently? Yeah, definitely. I think it's the human experience to rise up and be brave. And I definitely, in this incarnation, you know, I've chosen to come through as a brown woman, a woman. I don't feel like I've had many incarnations as a woman. So a woman. Um, I've got given the name Sheila, so I'm here to embody the feminine, right? Um, A brown woman, I'm petite, I'm five foot two. And, you know, I came from a very successful family um, that valued success looking a certain way. And then when you have a family that values success looking a certain way and you're born into a culture or a situation where you don't fit in, like that's challenging because you're not, you may not be winning. You may not feel or believe like you can win easily, right? And so I left the corporate world as a finance director. So finance is a male-dominated industry and I made it to the C-suite as an executive. So I'm a woman and I'm of colour. Yeah, like I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a brown woman. And in my book, I write about this. I I call it the black sheep syndrome. 
And I recall having a conversation with my cousin and I said to her, do, do you feel like the black sheep of the family? Because we were the only two. So it, I, I want to have a conversation that goes beyond even colour here. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a woman of colour. In my Sri Lankan family, I'm not married with no children, without children. So I'm already a black sheep within the, the black family, right? So it's even a it's even a more challenging. You can, you can keep a layering on the labels. So... I uh, said to her, do you feel like you're the black sheep of the family? And she, she screwed her face and she goes, no. She goes, I don't, because she was the other single childless woman. And she said, that's a label you, you put on yourself. And in that moment, I stopped and I thought, wow, I've actually given myself that label. And quite often when we make ourselves the black sheep, we remove ourselves from situations of opportunity because we have a belief that we don't belong and we're not going to make it or we're not going to, we can't succeed. And I'm not saying that there are not, um, they're not hurdles. There are not, um, there are not ceilings. Um, and there are not things that stop us, but I actually think everyone has that experience, right? And the thing is, is I don't let that control my inner dialogue. And I know that because I manifested my way into roles and jobs and positions, despite the color of my skin. And I, and I, and I won't say it's irrelevant because that's naive, that this is irrelevant when someone looks at you and makes a decision about you. But what I feel is highly relevant is how I feel about myself because we are energy. And if I project an energetic field of confidence, forget confidence, I'm going to use the word self-belief and self-worth. I know I'll be magnetic and I'll, I'll attract situations with much more ease and grace to navigate perhaps a world that might see me differently. You know, I, I truly believe I'm the master of my destiny. Yeah, and so yeah. once I started changing my mind, I started watching the world around me change. And I recall one incident where I was in the corporate boardroom and there were, I think, 15, um, and we'll use colour here, they were white men and I was a brown woman and I was having to moderate a conversation around a massive warehouse move between two states. I had to move 2 million books from one state to another. And I won't lie, I felt really insecure and I thought there's so much male um, energy in here and a different colour and a different, a different experience. I thought, how do I navigate this? And I had to come back to my credibility and competency. I had to come back to, I've done an MBA, I've worked so hard and I know what I'm doing. And if I pretended like I knew what I was doing to prove to people around me, then I would have missed the chance to be vulnerable and actually complete the project asking the right questions. So I feel like sometimes as a woman, I'll, I'll, I'll use that label as a woman of color and I'm conscious I'm using a label. Sometimes, I, sometimes if I do that, I know I'm not going to step into vulnerability. And so I need to just turn up as a person here who's going beyond my physical, um, you know, what I look like. And I've got to think, what am I trying to achieve? And I teach this to my students, like, how are you of service? And when you be of service, you get out of your own way. I hope I haven't gone too off topic here, but does this make sense to you? Yeah, it, 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 um, it does. I, I loved what you were sharing. Um, and I think, who. I think, again, like I know you, right? So you've done like a lot of healing and deep work and you're, you know, you're an amazing spiritual teacher and leader. So, you know, what, what would be, what would be your, um, and Tita jump in anytime, like what would be your advice of like, okay, that's all good and well to like not feel like you're being seen for the color of your skin or, you know, a, a woman of color. How do you step into 
how do you step into that? Like not putting that label on label on yourself and then really manifesting despite the disparities and the challenges and the ceilings and the hurdles, like you were saying, that are, that may constantly feel like they're being thrown your way because of the, the way that you look. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question because I think sometimes I underestimate how big the journey I've personally been on. And I want to get really honest and vulnerable. I hated the color of my skin when I was a teenager wow. because when you're around puberty, all you want to do is be pretty, right? And you want to get, you want to, you want boys to like you. I recall around 14 or 16, everyone around me had boyfriends and had, and I had severe buck teeth. <laughs> I, I had facial hair. I, I, you know, I, I went through like really terrible teenage years. I, I did not survive it. And, and I did not get into beauty products. I was had a very conservative family. I didn't wear makeup. So I had, I just was stuck with what I had, what I look like. Right. And um, I remember feeling self-hate and self-loathing around how I looked. And I remember having this pervasive thought, I'm, I'm never going to have a boyfriend. I'm never going to be loved. I, you know, I don't know how to do life as a teenager. Like it was a real thing. And I think sometimes when you come from that place, because there's a, I, I think if you are surrounded by people that look different to you, sometimes you think I don't look like you and I need to look like that to be accepted, whether it's beauty, whether it's jobs, whether it's career, and this is, I'm a medium. So I felt odd being a spiritual woman in a corporate world. So it's not just about the color of your skin. It was like, I speak to dead people on the other side. That's odd. So I've had to reconcile <laughs> that as well, like yeah. regardless of the color, right? So yeah. we all have this part of us that is like, I don't quite belong here. So, okay, to answer your, your, your question, what's the journey? Firstly, you will not do this journey on your own. Okay, you need to bring in mentors and a soul tribe around you that are generally going through, have gone through this situation and are a little bit ahead. You always want to be spending time with people wiser and know more than you. And they're on the other side of some journey. So, you know, you have to, it's very important to find a mentor or a teacher. And, and on some level, you want them to have had a bit of a life experience like yourself. So I'm going to say it, if you're, a, if you're a woman of colour in America and you want to get to partner in a law firm, find another woman that's of colour that's done that. They will have some templates and blueprint for you to follow. You can also have women that are different colours and you can have a male mentor. And I have a real diversity of mentors, right? But I also have, have some people that, that get me and being a Sri Lankan culture and feeling different. And it, it, it's a small, it's a part of the mentoring that I seek out because there's a part of me that gets seen by that mentor. It's not the whole gamut, but it's a part. To find a mentor and a coach around you that can way show you, to show you the way. Find women around you and watch podcasts like this so you feel, don't feel alone and you feel inspired. I, I did a lot of watching and teaching of videos and I read so many books because the wisdom was not coming from my family and friends. It had to come from a much more, a deeper place, um, and I'm just trying to think, what else did I really do? I started to take up really spiritual practices. You know, I really started to, to take meditation very seriously and I started to really learn how to channel, right? So, you know, Oprah, you know, um, my Angela, all, all these, all these great leaders, Nina Simone, I, I listened to these, like her songs are channeled, you know? So I sit in my own channel and um, they've actually come to me in an ayahuasca ceremony, I won't lie. <laughs> these, these deceased, amazing black women have really? come to me and I'm like, oh, hi. And I recognize <laughs> their voice in my clear audience. I've heard their voice, right? So this is, we're going real woo-woo. 
Um, and so <laughs> it's like I feel guided. So, you know, they were in channel. They were channel, channeling through, through something from high consciousness to heal. So when we're in our channel, our own truths come to us. It might be, yeah, you feel different, but you are not. Mm. You, get, you are not different. So don't make yourself different and lean in if you can and close the gap. You know, we're all souls here. Yeah. That is really interesting. Um, everything you said is really interesting. I love hearing about other um, women of color, black women, biracial women, women of color's experiences, especially from different countries too. So this is, I love hearing about your story and um, your upbringing and so forth. Um, and I, I do agree with you in regards to like, um, well, now I agree more understanding more of like the manifestation, right? But, um, but as we know too, there's all, there are external factors that can just bombard, bombard you, bombard you. And I know that my upbringing was, um, it, it was, it had different traumatic experiences there from whether it was in the household and also unfortunately where I was raised, just my, um, the, the, the whites, I was just the only really black person in my classes most of the time, all the way from kindergarten to 12th grade. But there is something though that I would say that if, if there is something that your experience is to bring to light that is what's happening with me, you know? So like, sometimes I can get really frustrated. Yes. Because I know there's times when blankly someone is being racist towards me just because of the color of my skin. They know nothing else about me is hurtful, has been hurtful and has hindered. But at the same time, I'm in a place now where I can accept those experiences and knowing that those are those experiences that I went through are, being turned to good and creating even a more um, healing and wise experience for others, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you're right. Like we can either we how we it's it's like how we choose to move forward when when we're challenged with opposition, whether it is in the boardroom or mm -hmm. whether it's at home, right? And so your book about brave, because I want to ask, I want to lean into how Tiffany, I got into the book of brave, but your book about brave, when I'm hearing you and I'm listening, I'm like, well, God damn it. I'm pretty brave. Okay. Because like, I look at some of the things that I, that transpire in my life or some of the things that, that I really run up against, but I'm very peaceful in my life. Like I'm at peace in my life. And I have to say, Sheila, because I'm not, I'm a spiritual person. I'm more like, um, you know, people want to put a label to it. I'm under the Christian label. But this is interesting when you say that, because um, I have to tell the story. I'll tell it really quick. But when I was five years old, I was at this event. I was outside. Tiffany kind of knows a little bit about it. I totally know what outfit I had on. I immediately knew my life was going to shift and it was going to shift for the worst. I immediately knew. I just, I just immediately knew. And I remember I just busted out and just massive tears. 
And my life did shift after that. How long ago was it, Tiffany? What, when you were five? No, when, when we had this conversation, about a month ago. Oh, yeah. Three or four weeks ago. Three or four weeks ago. And Sheila, I was just doing something and I was stopped in my tracks. And I was forced, I was, well, it was like, it, it was an interesting experience. I saw her, I, we had a dialogue, we embrace, and it was like, oh my God, I'm okay now, I got this. Thank you for keeping me through all these years, keeping me to where I could be on a path that I wasn't even really aware of, because yeah. I really didn't know about my path because a lot of things I went through. Yeah. On a path that I could, could be keep, keeping me courageous when I didn't realize I was being courageous, but you're keeping me there, keeping me brave when I didn't realize I was being brave because you knew there was something more for me. And now that I'm to recognize this, I said, I got this. Thank you so much. We embraced and she skipped away. And I was telling somebody about this and they were like, huh? So I wonder who could, who could have been that? Like, she's like, I know you might not know about talk about spiritual things or mediums or whatever, or people, but I wonder who, cause you're talking about ancestors and people. So she's like, I wonder who was keeping her safe so you can get to this certain point. And so then you, and th then they're the ones who actually interact with you. And like, you can, you can let her go now. She can go now cause you're going to be okay. Yeah. So when you're saying all that, it just kind of like, wow. And so it had me wonder, like, I was like, oh my goodness, who was it? Who was it from my answers from the past? Who knew I was dealt some, some hands that weren't the best, but knew they needed me to stay on path, even though I wasn't aware <laughs> I was on path going through certain things so yeah. I could get to where I'm at now. Well, you know, I guess just to introduce some esoteric concepts, you know, we're born with master guides, right? And, and we have a soul contract to complete in this lifetime. And, uh, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of the contract is, tends to be around our wounding and our trauma in our, in our younger years. And the greatest gift we can give to ourselves is when we find deep gratitude for the trauma that we've experienced because it becomes our greatest gift and our teaching to the world. And I have friends that have had, had, had deep, sexual trauma, you know, um, racism, fit not belonging, physical disabilities that they've had to overcome, physical illness, they're inspiration to me. They're the ones that I go, wow, you know, if you can overcome that, I can overcome the limiting beliefs and the stories that I've made up. So I love your story of hope and inspiration, Tita, because it's like, as I see you and hear you, I see a woman who's so coming into a power, you know, you've, you've been brave and you've made changes in your personal life to totally honor who you are and now you're writing. And um, I think all we can do is, um, is it Terenia Trent, The Awakened Woman? It's such a great book. And I think she's, you know, great friends with Oprah and she's in my book. I quote her because she talks about the power of storytelling. And when I'm with my nieces and nephews, I talk to them a lot about the stories of the family because my nieces and nephews are half brown, half white and half brown, half Spanish. So we have a very mixed race into, you know, interracial family. And I'm like, you know, in five generations, we may not, you may not know that there's a Sri Lankan, um, you know, blood in, in you. And I'm like, we got a story tell so the stories get handed down, 
Indigenous cultures have always known the power of storytelling because it's the wisdom that gets passed down. And your wisdom, Tita, needs to go to, even if it's not a generation birthed by you, a generation around you. So storytelling and women's circles are very important. Um, you know, and if you want to find one within your racial group or your age group or your sexual group or whatever it is, find women where you can see yourself in them. But we tend to transcend this. Our stories are more like I've been divorced or I've lost all my money. And said, so regardless of your color, it's like, I, I, I see you, sister. I see what you've been through. You've lost your, you're bankrupt. I'm bankrupt. That's, that's a powerful story that transcends, you know, what we look like and what we feel like, right? So I teach a lot of women about what it's like to be a medium and speak to the other side and have these esoteric experiences. And when I look at Zoom, it's all shapes and sizes, sometimes men. And it's like, yeah, I felt odd and I felt like I didn't belong and I felt so aligned my whole life. And it's like, well, this is a place to belong, right? So we're all searching to belong somewhere. I'll, I'll share with you a really strange anecdote. And I don't, I think we're given situations to teach from, but I was in Cronulla Beach and I can't remember what it year it was um, for the Cronulla riots. I was on that beach. So it's quite a famous incident wow. in Australian history. Tita, it, my sister and I were deciding to get a surf lesson that day. Don't ask me why, but I think divinely, you know, orchestrated that they, we, we happened to be on the beach, right? So I'm scared of the surf. So I was actually at war with, with the ocean and I was really nervous of like drowning. I'm not a strong swimmer. And so there was this build-up tea for weeks about this riot that was going to happen on Cronulla Beach between two groups of, um, of, of different racial, you know, different races, right, in Australia. And it was building and building and no one, no one actually knew. In hindsight, it was always going to happen. A bit like some of the rights in America, you're like, well, of course that was going to happen. But before it, you just hope and pray it's not right. And I think the media really kind of added to that story, um, added to the inflaming, and I'll be honest. And um, I was out on the surf with all the surf people with my foam um, surfboard. And I looked back and I thought, there's a lot of people on the shore. I wonder what's going on. My sister's like, I don't know. Like, come on, paddle. Like, there's a wave coming. And then there on the on the left hand side, there was actually a scuba diving all like SAS squad, all these men in the in the with armed on a. And I thought that's odd, but you know, you know, with I, I was in my twenties, I was like, this is kind of odd. But I'm still just I'm focused on surfing and learning how to surf. I get to the shore, and by then there's a mass. There's a, there's there's not a ride, but there, there's this tension on the beach. And um, I had my surfboard underneath my, um, and my sister did, we both had bikinis on. It was summer in Sydney. And we walked through two women of colour in bikinis with a surfboard. We walked through this crowd that actually, um, you know, easily could have harmed us or could have taken us out. And one guy said to his friend, and my sister heard it, I didn't hear it, um, um, they're lucky they've got surfboards, Right. So it's an interesting experience that we had because, in, and I take it several ways, in that moment I feel like this man saw in us two women that are out on the surf just having a go. And he said the, the surfboard in some odd way was protecting us because we were not brown, we were just chicks on a beach trying to surf, right? And on some ways this oddly the surfboard, they could see the commonality between us. Wow. They could see the humanity that we're not, we're not there to start a riot. We're not there to fight. And we walked through the crowd untouched. And literally probably 10 minutes later, there were some men and women that were being attacked physically that looked, you know, 
similar to us. And it was a really odd experience I had that I got to walk through the same place unscathed. And it was weird that I had that experience. And in that moment, I was being taught that we can be safe if we choose to be. We can, we can, we, we've got to find a way to believe that we can be safe. And we have to, we have to see more commonality between ourselves than difference. Yeah, and it, 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 it's it's a it's an unusual story, but that's what I took from it because I did not have the experience of being of being in the riot. I had I've I had a really unusual experience, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Tifo, what do you take from that? What do you take from this that I walk through? And well, I, I think yeah. Oh, you see, oh, oh, go, go ahead. Go okay, maybe maybe y'all, y'all are beautiful too. Okay, so I mean that could have played into it too. They're like, oh, we're not really beautiful. They might be brown. When you get out of the surf, you don't look like. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. But I mean, there's something, and and this is where I think too. Like, I I do believe that some of us are more protected than others. The universe. Mm-hmm. I, I just really do believe that because there's just a mission and assignment that. The universe has for us so I, yeah. I i truly believe that as well um because you know riots on one hand i understand rights you know and when i was reading rise i'm reading rising strong by i'm sure you know who bren brown is mm-hmm. and she she doesn't say rights but what she said in this one um in the message is basically like when when somebody especially of human when they're well anything that's alive and breathe when when you're like I'm I don't verbatim I don't remember the words you use but I'm just using suppress or press for so long and doing whatever it is that you're doing there comes if you're gonna rise up that's what it is if you're gonna rise up there comes a point to where there might have to be you you are looked at as the bad person you're looked at as um the troublemaker, because that's the way you can rise up through the opposition or through the suppression. So sometimes it is a revolt of, of the status quo of how you've been treated because you've got to break through that, right? And so breaking through that could be a revolt. So I just throw it out like I, I'm not one to suppress riots. I'm not one for violence, no, but I get sometimes that riots do are vocal enough to where they have made change now your experience i just think that you know you were made not to have any challenges through that and made to walk through and show those people like hey i'm here just like you are here and we're all here for greatness. So you better get it together. And I'm walking through this crowd. Okay. And thank you for saying that. And that, that, in, that is the lesson. And that's what we've got to. So if you're sitting at a board table in a law firm and you're not yet partner, you've got to know that you study just as hard as everyone else that, you know, you've got, you, you know, you, you, you've done everything else that everyone else to get to that, to earn that seat. Right. So, you know, you've had leaders, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, you've had leaders that sat in positions that no one else has ever sat in and they had to be the way showers and the leaders. So if you're called to lead, don't ever think it's going to be comfortable. Don't ever think it's going to be easy and without challenges. You know, even now as a woman, I'm speaking to corporate Australia about spirituality and spirit guides and channeling and, and, and using your intuition. No one's really done this. No one's doing it. It's, it's, it's absolutely new 
you know, blue ocean. It's, it's a new frontier. So you don't think I'm going to get laughed at, ridiculed, scoffed. I'm prepared to. I'm The thing is you've got to be prepared to right. be ridiculed and you've got to be prepared to have moments of shame when someone goes, who do you think you are? And, and, and this is crazy what you're talking about. You have to come back to absolute self-belief. You have to go, I know there's never been anyone that's been a, a, a woman of color that's led this company, but I'm going to be the first. You've got to create that vision and just live into it. So I was sharing at Kathy Freeman, you know, Australia's fastest runner. Um, and there's a beautiful documentary on her. She's an indig- indigenous Australian. And when she was a child, her stepfather, I think it was a very inspirational man to her. He could see she already had talent as a runner. Okay. So we all have gifts. All of us have gifts. The thing is, if you don't use your, your gifts, someone said this to me recently, if you don't use your gifts, God stops giving you more gifts. Yeah. Man, you don't, you don't get more gifts. Thank you. If you don't use them, God doesn't give you more. Yeah. So you have to start using them, right? So this man could see this with this girl as a, was a gifted runner. And he motivated her and he used very simple visual techniques. He t- talked to her, lifted up her self-esteem, knowing she's a dark-skinned woman in this country. Like there's a lot against it. That's a lot um, that could hold her back. And she, he wrote, he got her to write something like, I am the fastest runner in the world when she was seven or eight years old. So imagine if you're seven and eight years old and someone and a parent, an adult, who, and I think he was white, a white man, said to her, you write, I am the fastest runner in the world. Do you think you're going to live into that? Do you think you're going to even come close? Do you think you're going to do something in that direction and live your life into that space, right? So that's that's what we're here to do. We're here, if you're a brown woman or a black woman or Hispanic or yellow, whatever the color is, or even a white woman in a black community, right? So trying to make change, you feel like you're different. Know that you're going to, it's going to feel very uncomfortable um, breaking through ceilings that have been intergenerationally um, layered and layered and layered and that you have to know you have the bravery and the courage to do it. You have to know that something maybe happened to you in your childhood that took you out, that gave you great strength, great resilience. I was raised, in a, I was raised with, with, a, with a dad that was pretty tough on me and um, it, it, it wounded me and then I healed through the wound and then we healed as a father and a daughter together, right? That was our journey karmically. And I know I'm, I'm so courageous and brave because I have not let things stop me. And I've had a vision and I've lived into it. So create the vision regardless of whatever your incarnation is and just you've got to believe in yourself. Yeah, and that's that's like manifestation, right? Like I love that. I want to circle back a bit quickly because I don't know if my my Wi-Fi cut out a bit, but Tita, when you were talking about when you were five years old, I, I want to connect the dots. Like so what happened was, she connected with her five-year-old at this point in time and they connected and she realized that she was guided and then they um, healed and then the five-year-old skipped yes. away. So um, the inner I have an interpreter, as you see. Yeah, it's the, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I just, there was like a moment where my Siri went off and I was like, I don't know if that got missed or not. So I just want to make sure, because it's a really, it's such a beautiful story. Like it's such a profound story. And I think that it's really relevant to what um, Sheila's talking about, like the healing and and stripping away, you know, all these preconditioned ideas that we have of ourselves and we have of other people. And I think, you know, for us, when Tita and I started this show, um, for us, it's really about, yes, you know, and in a, in a higher consciousness, right. God, spirit, universe, whatever, we're all one. Like 
we know that and then we learn it and we embody it. For, for what we do here, it's really about pulling apart and helping people, white people really, understand the differences that people of colour, Black people, we mainly talk about Black people here, but people of colour experience, particularly in this country, um, and give perspective to that. So there's an understanding of like seek to understand first, right, rather than you know, bringing your own perspective. And so I think when you can actually separate the differences of what different people experience that are different from your own through a different lens, that's when you can actually come together. And it really is about that seeking to understand first that creates, brings us back to home, our, our, our knowing and our oneness and creates that, you know, that, um, that understanding, not only for other people, but for ourselves, because Sheila, what you were saying before about like surround yourself with like-minded women, sit in circle and see that we're all reflections from one another, no matter what our sexual preference, our skin color, you know, our childhood, our, you know, where we grew up mm-hmm. in an idealistic higher level thinking, but we're still living. And you and I talk about this all the time, like we're still living the human experience. Yeah. Look, I love, I love, I, oh, sorry. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so much to say. And that's why the five-year-old was able to skip away because the, the last two years when I've been doing the deep work, I was seeking to understand a lot. Mm-hmm. Just past experiences, labels that were put upon me, right? Or stories that were put upon me and seeking to understand the truth. And more than not, none of those were true. <laughs> Right. So when I was able to really, truly understand that instead of just walking in trauma or wounds or projection, then she skipped away because she knows I'm okay. Like I understand, I understand my worth. I understand who I am. I understand the journey path I'm supposed to go down. And this podcast is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. The podcast is healing you both and it's healing and then you're healing a collective as you heal. You know, just to answer your question, Tiff, okay, so you're talking about this podcast as to, as to, as to create a bridge between, you know, white women and, and black women and brown women and, 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 and different, you know, women that, that, that feel and look different. I think, I think, you know, ancestral heal, ancestral wounding gets passed down intergenerationally. And so I think we need to honour the intergenerational wounding that's epigenetically handed down through your D- the DNA of black women. And, yes. you know, you as black women, and I don't want to speak black women, I'm brown woman, you know, I, I'm, I'm Tamil. So I've come from a lineage of, you, you know, challenges okay. in my um, culture. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I had to look at my own culture and work on myself versus looking at someone else going, you treat me differently or I feel differently. That's irrelevant. I learned that. I taught that to myself. I got present to that. And I thought I have to look at my ancestral line and both my mother's side of the family and look at what trauma has happened, grandmother, great-grandmother. And then I went, and this is a tool for women to use, I went and did the, the ancestral work. I did ancestral healing, regression work, inner child work, because, um, you know, if you're in the womb of your mother and she's having issues around racial differences, that is epigenetically passed to you. And then your egg is in your great grandmother. So in your in the country of America where you've you've had these experiences quite in your recent history, epigenetically it would be in your coding. You've got it. You have to transcend this coding. 
you have to transcend this. You have to do the work yeah, right yeah. now in this lifetime so it does not get handed down. Yeah. So the work, and, and Tita, you talk about the inner child work. It's the inner child work. It's, 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 it's somatic work on the body. Um, so as a community, you have to look within and heal your own lines versus blaming what's happened has happened, right? So we have to like look forward and go, I'm not going to carry, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give this to the next generation. You have to, you have to draw a line in the sand. If not, we'll forever be victims. And I refuse to be a victim. I'm empowered and I, and, and I create my reality. I live from a very powerful place now. Yeah, so. Yeah. Woo! Yes. I refuse to. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah so that was a powerful share, Tita. Healing your five-year-old. It's very powerful. Women need to heal their five. Everyone needs to heal their five-year-old, quite frankly. But yeah. if you listen to this podcast, you've got a different kind of healing because we're specifically talking about the black intergenerational wounding that's happened. So let's deal with that specifically. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Woo. Man. So, so. <laughs> she's fired up. She's fired up. I know. I'm trying to like. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. We actually had a guest on that was talking about ancestral healing and trauma. Um, what was her name, Tita? Levon. Oh, Levon. Amazing, amazing work. I feel like we've covered so much goodness here. Like it's, it's. Really right. good, really, really, That's really right. good. Powerful. Um, so now I have to ask her about the book, though. Like, yeah, right. Go, go, because that was my next question. Yeah. So, how did we come about to um, for you to want us in your book? I mean, to yeah, to want us in your book. And I'm amazed at what's already doing in Australia. From what I understand, you are published by one of the best publishers in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm published by Rockpool. It's amazing. Yeah. Beautiful mind, body, spirit publisher. Check out their website. They've got some great products. Um, and I'm being distributed by Simon and Schuster globally. And yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time. It's, it's going to be sold in Big W and Target. You're in it. And, you know, like it's going to be out there. You know, my voice is going to be out there. Your name's going to be out there in Australia, T-Tower and in Big W and Target. Just to let you know, girlfriend, you made it down under. If you've never visited this country, you're in a bookstore. Your name. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're, we're coming and we want you to come here and, and promote too because it really yeah can... when we can fly i am on a plane yeah. i'm on a plane and i got a french book deal so it's going to be published in france and translated in french and wow. in <laughs> so cool um so how did you come into the book yeah. Look, tiffany's in a chapter earlier in the book around um sister suppers and the power of tribe and the collective and i just found her story you know We've, as we've been, Tiffany and I've been friends for over a decade, 15 years now, I think, Tiffany. And um, we've just seen her move out of corporate into this space of such consciousness and conscious movement and serving. And, you know, you, I feel like you had your spiritual awakening well before I did, Tiffany, on some, on some <laughs> levels. And then later in the book, you know, um, this podcast, I, I, my understanding it was birth, you know, a couple of years ago, but I'm going to... I don't think the world was ready for your podcast. Yeah. I don't think you guys were ready for your podcast. Yeah. I don't think yeah. Tiffany was ready. Tiffany, you now have a beautiful boyfriend, a partner who, you know, is yeah. a black man. And I think sometimes yeah. I think we have to awaken to, to and truly embody the vibration of whatever we're speaking about. And yeah. I think COVID was a great spiritual awakening. Yeah. And, you know, we all, you know, it didn't matter how much money you had. It didn't matter how important your job was. It didn't matter where you lived. We all suffered collectively yeah. during COVID yeah. and we yeah. all got reduced to a very 
very, very, um, we got reduced to the same denominator, right? And isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Because yeah. It, it didn't matter what color you were or male or female, it was like you could get COVID and yeah. the rules apply to everybody. Yeah. doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or not. The, rule, the same rules applied, right, fundamentally. And it was a very good leveler. So COVID was a great spiritual awakening. So a lot of people had to go within and have a good, hard look at their lives, their marriages, their jobs, and make really big decisions about their lives. And so the timing with um, the George Floyd um, incident um, was perfect because it was a, you know, we've been through so much as a group for a whole 12 months and we've all suffered together. As we emerge from this cocoon, don't you think it's time that we looked at each, each other through, the, through a different lens? Because everyone's eyes, the lens has changed. So it's like, don't you dare go out and think that you're going to go back to who you were and treat your neighbour as, as if they're not the same as you. Whereas you've had to hand out masks, wash your hands. We've, had to, we've all had very basic human experience, right? So I think it was perfect timing for that incident so sometimes incidences are put in place in history. Yeah. Sometimes there is sacrifice that goes beyond the person, right? You know, it's a big yeah. sacrifice that's man-made for humanity. And then your and then your podcast was birthed because it was like there was a calling for it. And I think I think white women and black women were ready to like listen to a new conversation. And I don't think my book would have would have would have sold or could have been published before COVID. I don't think bravery or courage was 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 a was a virtue that was valued or seen as necessary. And neither was your podcast that that conversation just didn't seem urgent or important or as important, truthfully. Right. And now it is. Yeah. I think, you know, for us, like, yeah, we started in 2018 and then life happened and we've both had the same discussion. Like it, as soon as George, George Floyd happened and um, we, we hadn't had consistent dialogue for a little while. Like, you know, we just kind of, you know, we were still in touch, but we weren't con- you know, we weren't consistently talking like we had been for many reasons, not bad reasons, no ill feeling between us at all. Um, and we both reached out together. It felt like simultaneously and said, we got to yeah. do this now. And so we just ran with it. Um, and I feel like for you, Sheila, you saw what I was doing and you're coming to the end of the book. So we're more towards the end of the book. And I felt like it's, um, you know, it just kind of, I mean, I feel honoured, 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 honoured to be part of this book. And um, also for you to be able to share my evolution of Sister Supper Club, of Sister Suppers was into this, was into this podcast because I'm about sisterhood and in true sisterhood is really seeing each woman, you know, each woman, no matter what the colour of her skin. And so for this, this has been a real huge evolution for me to actually evolve into this more deeply and more in, in more devotion and more de- dedication than I've ever had about mm. anything, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, think about, it's going to make me cry, but think about incarnation, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, honestly, Tita and I have laughed about this, but I feel like I was a black person in a previous life because, yeah. you know, what we talk about, like just touches me. Like I know it sometimes. Like if you've been knowing it, it's knowledge that comes from beyond this realm. Like when you know it, you're like, how do I know that? How do I have that experience? Yeah. So trust and be with it. Like, you know, if you're going to, why do I know it? It takes you out of the game of life. It, it delays the progress. So step the why, go into what do I do with it? How do I serve? Yeah. More powerful questions. Yeah. Well, Facebook and Instagram surely think that she's black. 
They do. They think all I'm black. The, I get advertised. All, all the black. advertisements. That she yeah. All <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. Yeah. But I just, you know, for, like, you know, for all of us, there is this, the work that we do collectively and individually is really a collective thing. And, you know, women are being called to step up and really find themselves and find their truth and live bravely, like you were saying, like live brave. And when we do that, we get, we get to heal not only ourselves, but the the world as it as it is and, and what's needed and so you know you do Sheila you do your work through mediumship and 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 spiritual teachings and your own deep healing which I've been a witness to mm-hmm. um you know and Tita does hers through her business you know finding the greatness in you through her branding um she also does this through you know, the, you know, our show, our podcast, I do it through sisterhood. Like we all have our path in the way that we do that. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the way that we bring our purpose through the different channels and in, in really like the, 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 the truth of like love and unity. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Sheila, I, what, go ahead, Tita. And, and with all that, what's, you know, I love this conversation because just like little different things have really kind of happened the last three or four days. And this conversation just wrapped up like that so solid that I am on, you know, my right path, my right journey. Because even yesterday, I don't know if you saw the post because it was just like the serviceman had to come into my home to do something. And he just stopped and he's like, you, he's like, you, the, I, feel you're very blessed aren't you and I was like yes he's like I feel it you know it feels so good I I feel it I feel such a good energy and such good spirit he's like look I'm getting goosebumps Uh, and I was just like oh my gosh right after he left I was just like I was in so much deep gratitude because it just shows that when we do do that work and we're walking in our purpose, right. that we actually do bless others. We actually do touch ways that we don't really know, yep. you know? Yeah. So, and then this, that's the big work. That's the big work we're here to do. That's the big work. So, you know, as black women, I'm going to be honest, it's a real, it's a real privilege. You, you must see it as, a, I see it as a privilege to be a brown woman, to have overcome so much and now to be a transmission of light. I'm like, wow, what a blessed life. For many I have to say we're extremely resilient. Black women are extremely resil- resilient. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I agree. You got to look at the virtues for, by virtue of being incarnated. You're like, wow, what what gifts have I been given? What gifts have I been given? What healing do I n- need to do? And how do I shine light in the world? And that is the more high vibrational state to operate from versus the old stories because they are old. So create new stories. <laughs> Let's just sizzle them, obliterate those stories. Well, you know, Michelle Obama's created a new story for your for your nation. Yeah, Kathy Freeman created a new story for our nation, and I'm just referring to Black women because that's what this podcast is about. You know, that, that I recall being in Price Waterhouse Coopers working in the '90s. I think there was one female partner. I don't even remember. She was just a director. There were no female partners, so that one woman had to rise up, regardless of her race, just to become a female partner right in an Australian accounting firm so she created a new story and now there are many women that are partners because someone had to create a new story and in the years to come there'll be new stories new stories so all we're doing is rewriting new stories 
Yes. Amen. Amen. Is that easy? No. Is it challenging? Yes. Does it take resilience? Yes. Does it take courage? Yes. Yes. We don't, we, maybe we don't want to hear that story. <laughs> right? It's that's not, what I wrote the book, Brave, because it's going to take something. Right. But you got right. it. We've got it. Yeah. yeah. So oh. on, on that note, because most of our, our listeners are American, yeah. if you want to um, buy Sheila's book, Brave, you can email me yes. <laughs> at connectablackgirlawhitegirl.com so we can help her get it published here in the USA because it's, I mean it's, it's going to be published in America in September. It's available on Kindle edition now. What? Oh, no, I think on the I think it's going to be available on Kindle edition. Yeah, definitely. It's on Amazon and everything. Oh, and you can buy it on Book Depository and get it sent to America for sure. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Book, book Depository. Can, so we'll yeah, I'll send you a link if I that yes. you can share with everyone. Okay. I'd love everyone to have a hard copy and you can definitely buy it. Internet, it will get it shipped to you. To your oh my God, free in a published book that's hitting major stores. I am so pumped. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I'm just like so, so proud of you. I'm so proud of all of us. And you. It's, and, and, and Sheila, we're going to have you back because you're going to continue to like rise and spread your message and do amazing things. And so I'm booking you in now before you get too famous and you get too busy <laughs> and I have to go through your publicist or something like that. I'm like, no, but oh, she's right, really that moment friend. happens. <laughs> everything. No, I'm not doing anything mine. I've got a massive, I've got a, I've got a tribe around me supporting me. Absolutely. You are really good like that. You do put a really good support team around you. Yeah, so Sheila, I learned. Yeah. This yeah. was amazing. We're going to put so amazing. Sheila. Yeah, we're going to put all the show, like all the links and things of where you can buy the book, where you can connect with Sheila. Um, but Sheila, quickly, like, where can that? What's the best, easiest way that they can start following you, connecting with you, being your vibration? Yeah. So Sheila V underscore underscore. Um, you can reach out on Facebook and Facebook friend me Sheila Vijarasa, and my name's you know on this Zoom um, call. And um, the Courageous Path is my group. Um, my, my website is sheilav.co. So you can even book a session with me in an intuitive reading session. And I'm an oracle. So, you know, I, I create great transformation in people's lives. That's how I serve. I'm an oracle. I speak to the other side, but I, you know, we, we talk about your life in, this, in these sessions and, and, how to, and how to get into alignment in every part of it. So I'd, I'd love to connect with you that way. Yeah, that's awesome. She's amazing. I mean, we've already felt your transmission here. Like it's already been healing just to have you here. So thank you so much. We definitely want you on again. Just, you know, put put us in your in your calendar for the near future because I know there's going to be a book two and three and there's probably going to be a TV show. And just watch this space. We, we had her here as she was <laughs> about to take off. We well, already taking off, but like, you know, transmit to more people. All right. Thank you, everyone. Stay tuned. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. wait, wait how do you find us? Maybe <laughs> now, too. Because we, we have a spot here, too. Just wait. Watch. <laughs> a lot behind the scenes. Well, actually, we really are because we do get, we get silent. We don't get a lot of comments or likes, but we do get a lot of emails. Behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. Behind the scenes of what our podcast is doing. So that's great. So we would like you to continue to know how you can reach us. So you can reach us at blackgirlwhitegirlconversations.com. And this is our website where you can get to our YouTube channel. You can get to our Instagram channel or page. And our Instagram handler is a black girl 
a white girl. And if you're watching us live right now, you know that we have our Facebook page and please continue to share us and continue to um, be part of the conversations and continue to, to change the narratives. And um, let's, let's, let's take control of what's the truth and let's own our real stories. Let's be courageous in our conversations. Let's, um, you know, just, just walk in humanity. That's, you know, we're all human and we're all connected and we're all great. And we all, like Sheila said, we all have our talents and we all have our gifts and we all have so much greatness within. And what a way if we all can just march for and tap into that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Be brave, everyone. Be brave. <laughs>